Hello and welcome to This is a Token with Alex Monroe, the podcast that celebrates all things jewellery. I've spent half a lifetime designing and making jewellery, but what really interests me is what it means to other people. This is a podcast where we ask our guest about the jewellery they cherish most of all. We'll explore the moving, fascinating and often surprising stories connected to each piece and those emotional bonds that we just can't do without. My guest today is the sportswoman Elise Perry. Elise is from Sydney, Australia, and she's the only person ever to play for her country in both cricket and football. And she made her international debut in both sports at the age of 16. Since then, she's broken like more or less every record and won a gazillion awards. I don't really have time to, to list them all, but in December, she was named the International Cricket Council's Women Cricketer of the Decade and the ODI Player of the Decade and the Women's T20 Player of the Decade. And she has a book out which is called Perspective, and that's out now. Just to kind of illustrate what a really nice and grounded person she is, I really get the impression that she's probably at her happiest just kind of knocking a ball around um, in the nets with her dad and her brother. And she's coming to the UK later in the year. So do check out her website and see that because we all get a chance to actually watch her play cricket this year, which would be fantastic over here in the UK. Um, Elise is in New Zealand at the moment. And so we're joining her on Zoom from a very early morning, early grey morning here in London. Elise Perry, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to This Is A Token. seem to be like one of the busiest people in the world and I don't know how you fit it all in <laughs> oh uh I'm not sure about that I'm one of the luckiest people in the world I think I play a game for a living <laughs> and I get to do it in all, all random places which is pretty cool so yeah it's a lot of fun I must say so I love that I love that because I heard a quote from Paul McCartney and he said he said, you don't work music, you play music. And it's the same with, with sport, isn't it? You don't work sport, you play sport. So, I mean, I think it is lovely. I get the same. Like last week, I was making a little sprouting plant. and It was just really cute and really good fun. And I find myself at work and you think, this is so weird because this is a job I'm being paid to do, to just muck around and have fun and like, like enjoy myself as much as I can. Do you ever get that sensation where you think, wow, I'm, this is so amazing. I'm getting paid to do this. <laughs> yeah um my gosh all the time probably every day at training to be honest and it does actually to that point petrify me a little bit that in not too long a period of time I'm going to be too old and too slow and not good enough to be doing this anymore and um I really hope I can find something else that's the same um or on similar levels so I don't have to work a day in my life but right it's it's great fun I totally understand what you're saying there because of people like, you know, like the Williams sisters and people like that, who seem to be able to go on <laughs> quite a long time. I get the impression somehow that women might might have a longer window of opportunity than some of the men. Is that true or have I just made that up? Um, no, I don't know. I haven't, have never considered that. I suppose it probably depends a little bit on the sport. And, you know, by that, I mean, 
cricket's quite good in that sense because there's no contact and the wear and tear is not probably as quick as what some you know other sports that are a bit more demanding from that point of view probably are but um yeah maybe I don't know I, we probably over the course historically of like of professional sport haven't played as many matches so maybe that keeps you a bit fresher for longer too so two of my really really close mates are cricket nuts so they know all about you and when they're in the pub they have this game where they mention a, an obscure cricketer and you have to get their middle name and stuff like that and cricket <laughs> is like for a lot of blokes cricket is so about the stats when you look up your stats you just get sheets to of stats but you seem to have scored more runs and got more people out and you played football as well so looking at your stats you would have thought you would have had more kind of games and hits and bowls than a lot of your male counterparts cricket's probably one of those sports you do play a lot of games so like at a guess without having ever done this but if you compared someone that's probably played for a similar length as i have from a male cricket team they've probably played double the amount of games just because of, of how things are set up but i have been <laughs> around for a little while now so i have yeah i've played played quite a few games which which has been really cool as well we want to still see you knocking a ball around the, the stadium when you're 40, can't we? How old's um, Serena Williams? <laughs> oh, um, there's a really interesting, it's quite relevant to Serena anyway. Um, when um, a woman has, has a child, that actually can have some really great physiological adaptations as an athlete. So particularly, you know, maybe this isn't as relevant, but particularly for marathon runners or endurance athletes, yeah. there's lots of studies that show that after they have a child they actually got a better capacity for their endurance and they perform better obviously not immediately but once they get back training and developing so i mean serena's just had a child and so maybe she's got, got a little bit so there's no excuses for you con you can't like throw the towel in yet <laughs> have some kids i don't think it. there's much hope <laughs> i could have a hundred kids and i could a ball you can't say having kids is like a training regime no. but what it means is there's no excuse at least i kind of say to people so many people say to me i can't draw and i always say of course you can bloody draw if you can hold a pencil you can draw and I kind of feel like it's the same with with sports when people say I can't play sports you kind of go of course you can bloody play sports you might not be able to play at my level but you can still have fun with it right anyway that's what I always think to say to people yeah no it's very similar and I mean you could apply that to any field of life but yeah it's a funny one because I think for you Alex and Connie it must come naturally in some way whether it being you know a product of the environment from a very young age so now it's like second nature and just what you do or whether we're also probably innately born with some of those like characteristics and skills and abilities so it is really hard to reconcile when someone like speaks to you and says I just don't bloody get it like how do you do it and it actually really makes you think about well how do you do it and yeah like to try and break it down and stuff is is really interesting but um you know like I wish so much that I could play music or could sing which I can't do either and I love listening to music so I kind of think well maybe maybe I still get to to enjoy it just in a different way and yeah maybe you'll get one of those um you know like those celebrity gigs where it's like celebrity come dancing or or something like that where, where oh, you that's my worst nightmare <laughs> how are you on the dance floor so 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 bad like I riddled with anxiety when people get up and start dancing this is something where I think I could compete with you because I think I would be a worse dancer than Elise I think I'd be the worst dancer in the world and most embarrassing, you should see her face when I get on the dance floor. I've seen those faces when I dance. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. If people dance, that's cool. I can't judge as well because I can't. 
You're cool on the dance floor. Just do like a little bit of. At least I was thinking because I've I've kind of done a bit of cycling. You know, very very poor cycling. I cycled in the UK. The the big cycle is from Lands End to John O'Groat. So it's from the very tip of the south in Cornwall right up to the very tip of, of Scotland. So I've done that, and I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe cycling. Maybe I could sort of at least keep up with the lease in cycling. And I saw on your Instagram, there's a lovely picture, and you say all the gear, no idea, or something with with, with your cycling <laughs> one. Do you do cycling or, as part of your exercise regime? A little bit, actually. I'm, we were just chatting before I, so I've moved to Melbourne in the last couple of years and Melbourne is a lot flatter than Sydney and yeah. um, a lot more, I think, forgiving of, of cyclists being on the road and out and about. And um, I don't live too far from where we train. So I got a bike and have absolutely loved it, actually. Um, I, I'm not very good at it. Uh, I don't ride crazy amounts of distances, but it is such a great feeling, I think, when, you, when you're when you commuting on a bike or going for a ride and it's like the wind's going through your hair and you know, you got that fresh air and all that kind of stuff. So I do a little bit, but I'm really intrigued by that bike ride. How, um, how many kilometres is that? Well, weirdly, it's in miles. So it's like 1,200 miles, but you can do different routes. We did a particular little, you know, wiggly route down beautiful little country lanes. And yeah, it's a good one. And you can do it over a certain period of time. So like a lot of sports, if you're camping and you carry all your tent equipment, it's going to take you longer and going to be harder. So what what I did was I did a kind of Airbnb route where I had panniers with all my clothes and kit in and everything I needed, but I didn't have to carry a tent. And also I went very off route. I did it over two weeks. We were doing about 100 miles a day kind of thing. It was quite challenging because you you have to go over mountains and into the wind and rain and stuff like that. And, you know, I felt like I was like so fit after I'd done that. But then when you look up like the fastest time that someone's done it and it's bloody hours, it's like 72 hours or something. And you think, oh, my God, I just (laughs) spent two weeks trying to achieve something that an elite athlete just did, you know, just like that. So once you get into your field of athleticism, I just think it's another level really yeah I mean it's an interesting one because it depends what you want to derive from it because uh, like I still think um about like my junior club cricket days when I was just playing you know and I still do play for fun but I was literally just playing for fun and to hang out with my mates and you know do something cool and like they're still some of my fondest memories and the best things that I've ever done in sport so um yeah you know in the same way like yeah riding a distance like that with some mates or whatever would be potentially just as satisfying as or maybe even more if you got to have a beer along the way every now and then then um (laughs) then doing it 22 hours and killing yourself and not being able to do anything for the next week after it no you're quite right and also you know it's all about the enjoyment it's great for your mind great for your body and great for making friends and stuff isn't it just getting out there and doing stuff and playing a bit of sport So one of the guys I cycled, Landen John O'Groats, is, is the guy who is the chairman or president of the Streatham and Marlborough Football Club. So I was chatting to him last night and I said I was going to be chatting to you today. And he was like, couldn't believe it. He was over the moon because they've got such a big programme for girls. He says, tell Elise she's got an open invitation. Come down and knock a ball around any time. If you're in London <laughs> and you're at loose end, you and me will go down there and we'll, well, I'm, I won't be knocking a ball about. I'll sit in the deck chair. You can knock a ball about because <laughs> they love to see you. So open invitation from Streatham. Oh, thank you very much. 
But he was saying that women's cricket has just absolutely exploded in the last few years. And he's saying he goes to women's cricket. He watches women's cricket. It's super exciting. It's really good fun, which has been quite a change because probably when you started, women's cricket was a very kind of separate thing, I guess. Have you noticed that explosion in, in interest recently? Yeah, definitely. Um so I started playing, I guess, at an international level in 2007, so a little while ago now. And as a comparison, these days, you're totally right, like it's just absolutely exploded and it's been incredible to see the progress and development and, and where the game's at now. And the game now is full-time professional for, for all the athletes involved and we travel around everywhere, we play all year round in different countries and, yeah, we get quite good crowds and the game's always on television and people, yeah, like love following the sport and, and know a lot of the teams and players. But when I started back in 2007, a lot of the, the players, probably all of the players actually in the team, like had another job, like a part-time job or they were studying at university still and no one got paid to do anything. You probably went on like one or two tours a year, if that, and like you sort of played at community grounds and during the week and no one would come and it, and it wasn't on TV and probably hardly even got reported. So like just even in that period of time, which is a little bit over a decade, it's like incredible to see how much it's improved, but definitely in the last couple of years, especially that's been, there's been a real spike in, in things. And yeah, I mean, it's great. It's, it's certainly been probably the highlight of my career, just like living through that whole period and definitely feeling very fortunate too, to sort of be at the point that we are now knowing where it's come from. You've got to kind of pat yourself on the back because you haven't just lived through it. You're probably one of the drivers for it, as far as I can oh. see. You know, you, you need role models and you need superstars and you need people smashing a ball around a cricket ground in order for people to wake up and, you know, it's got to happen both ways, hasn't it? So I just think it's amazing what you've achieved. Oh, thank you. No, it's been it's been so nice. Like one of the like the greatest things now is, you know, we'll play a game and um, the game will finish and you're sort of coming off the ground and the crowd will hang around to meet all the players and maybe get some autographs or photos with the girls. And like there's so many young girls that come along to watch our game now and they're really interested and they're playing cricket but the thing that actually gets me is that there's probably the same amount of young boys there and they're watching and and just as involved and like love the girls and and love watching the team play and I just kind of think like how cool is that because in like 10 or 15 years time they're going to be adults and it'll be totally ingrained in them to like follow women's sport and to to be fans and and totally normal that girls play whatever sport they choose and and can be really good at it so fantastic yeah i love that side of it yeah i was listening to the radio the other day it was an investigative documentary about who did better during coronavirus like who, who did a good job and who did a bad job the basic question they asked these scientists were what do you need to be a leader and to handle the coronavirus well? And they all said, basically, a woman. If you're a woman, any leader, any country with a woman as a leader has done brilliantly and a country with a man as a leader has done badly. And then I was talking to John about cricket. It's just... It's quite an exciting time for women, I think, not just in sport, but generally. I kind of feel like some sports, I wonder why like tennis might have been a bit ahead of cricket insofar as, you know, the promotion of women's tennis. And it was quite a long time ago that people started saying, actually, they'd rather watch women's tennis than men's tennis because the men's tennis was boring. It's like, you know, serve and volley and that's it. Whereas women's tennis, you, you've got some sport going on there and some interest and stuff. But yeah, it's nice to talk to my mates now who are saying, yeah, they really love to watch women. I don't know anything about sport right are you ever going to get mixed or do you get mixed gender 
No, we don't. I, d- I don't think it'll go down that path. I think probably like what you said there with tennis is that um, hopefully it just ends up with like these two different versions of the sport and you can watch women's cricket for one reason and really enjoy that element and aspect and derive a lot of entertainment for that reason and then equally watch men's cricket and and watch it for different reasons and enjoy it I think it's probably more likely to go down that way because it is like just naturally because of the way that we're made um there's just you know biological differences that I don't think that'd work being on the same field together it just looked different but um Watching um, Serena Williams serve or watching you smash a ball <laughs> over the boundary, you can't see that there's any difference in, in sort of power. And, but I'm sure there is, but it just looks so explosive when you play. And that goal, so presumably you had to make a difference to choose between cricket and football, right? Well, um, yeah, like kind of like that whole storyline is that it just sort of got to a point where I, I was like really lucky to play both for quite a while and they probably were both sort of like semi-professional and, um, you know, as I said, like the girls kind of did something else as well as as playing sport whether that was working or studying mm. and, and then cricket was the first sport it sort of like was growing and and then got to a point where they just said okay well we're going to pay you all to be full-time and professional and like I think that was always coming and in my mind like I always knew that it'd probably get to that point but I, I think I just thought well that's only like an absolutely awesome thing yeah, yeah. for the sport and for the team and and for me too because it sort of gave me a chance to just have a crack at doing one thing like completely full-time and being a different style of athlete so um yeah kind of I guess like to cut a long story short it was just sort of like a natural progression so basically it pays to be progressive right any sport or company or organization that gets with the program will do well and if you're slow if you're behind the curve and slow then people like you will, will move on I guess it's still happening in boardrooms and that kind of stuff you know you need more women in there and in politics perhaps and so mm. I kind of say come on get with the program it's going to happen anyway you might as well be one of the leaders rather than dragging along behind yeah and I mean it is like that very genuine and tangible shifting of a mindset that has to happen um and it just happens quicker in some places than others definitely and like that's okay um and I think eventually we all sort of catch up anyway but um yeah it's going in such an exciting direction and like even just the conversations and stuff now that get heard yeah it's it's pretty amazing brilliant Now, the problem for you is that you're in quarantine in a hotel in New Zealand. So obviously you don't carry all your jewellery with you. So you might not have it there. But if there's a piece that means a lot of you that isn't here, we can just talk about it anyway and and then maybe try and get a picture of it in the future sometime or something like that because I guess you don't walk around with all your bits of jewellery you've ever owned. That's unfortunately with me in playing sport. You're always taking it on and off. So um, I'm very hesitant (laughs) to take much jewellery anyway because I just lose it. So I really remember when I met you, for your normal working day, you have to take rings off because you can't be wearing a ring if someone's chucking a cricket ball at you at 100 miles an hour all day. And there aren't many professions where you have to do that. I mean, actually, a lot of actors have to do that because they have to get in costume and they can't wear their jewellery. So quite often actors have this same problem of having stuff that's really important to them that they then have to leave in a box on the side or lock in a locker or something like that. So um, do you have any pieces with you or do you have any memories of jewellery like from the early days? Because you were a bit of a tomboy, weren't you? 
Oh yes, I was a massive tomboy when I was when I was growing up. Like I would say, the vast majority of my friends were, were the boys at school, and I used to go and play like any kind of game with them in in the playground at lunchtime. And and I have an older brother as well, so I used to just do everything that he he did. Hence probably why I played uh, soccer and and still play cricket. But um, I think my earliest recollection of jewelry was. And I don't know if this is a thing in England, but do you have Polly Pocket? Yeah, I love Polly Pocket. Yeah, so I think Polly Pocket was probably my first kind of foray into jewellery. And I can't remember exactly what it was that I had, but you used to be able to sort of put it together from memory. And um... Yeah, they used to have those like charm bracelets. I think you could collect like bits to put on them. I can't really remember, but I remember like having one and being obsessed. Yes, me too. (laughs) That's probably my earliest thing with jewellery. And probably the other thing that stands out is when I got my ears pierced in year seven, you know, totally late to the party because I was too busy playing sport with all the boys in primary school to know that, you know, it's cool to have your ears pierced. And it wasn't until I went to high school and I actually went to an all-girls high school and one of the rules was you weren't allowed to wear jewellery at school actually, but um, if you got your ears pierced and you couldn't take them out, you're allowed to wear them until the hole would stay open. So everyone would go and get their ears pierced just so they could have some jewellery on at school. So Nice, um, nice. Yeah. It sounds like a really kind of happy childhood and very, very sort of normal and happy childhood that you had. Your parents seem like absolutely gorgeous. I've just seen them sort of chatting away, supporting you and stuff like that. And, and they just seem lovely. And you seem to have a great relationship with your family, right? They've been, yeah, they've been just incredible, you know, well before, obviously, I, I played sport as well. But I think they've just been so encouraging of, of me. Yeah, just having a go and, and doing things that I've wanted to do and, um, you know, support me in every way that they could so that I could um, explore like, my goals and passions and that kind of stuff but never been pushy as well which you know I think has been so critical in it all is that it's always been my call to, to do things and they would just like to be there and see me enjoying it and you know my, my dad is actually um, still one of my cricket coaches so whenever I'm at home in, in Sydney we always go to the nets and my brother comes along and like that's probably the essence of why I play because it's just like this really cool thing that we've all forged together and you know when we go to the local nets it's it's not anything but just like the enjoyment of swinging a bat or a bowling a ball yeah I've been been really lucky and it's been nice to be able to kind of like take them around at various points along the way to to be a part of it all and um, actually relevant to our chat is that they'd never been to the UK until I played cricket there and my mum absolutely loves it like she would go every year if she could she's just made for British culture and that kind of stuff so I was kind of chuffed that like it was yeah my sport that sort of finally got them over there to see the country and they've been back lots of times since so that's been great and I'm sure this is a case in a lot of countries it's amazing how much we've all been forced to explore our own backyards and um, yeah. see a lot more of our own country and in some ways I'm really like grateful of that because you don't realize what what's sort of your doorstep when you've got this passport to go all the way around the world but um, yeah the little travel piece during COVID have just been able to get out and go for a drive and camp somewhere or something like that it's been, been yeah. kind of cool yeah absolutely I mean it's been a terrible time but you can always take positives out of things can't you and focus on them and try and learn from everything so um I love this story I heard a story actually you know you're talking about being in year seven getting your ears pierced but you're still a bit of a tomboy and um I think someone was asking about whether you'd been treated differently because you were a girl and and you had a lovely story about sort of saying that it took a little while for you to understand like when they divide a team up you have the top tops on and the tops off and you were always like top on team and you're like why am I always on that team kind of thing and you reach an age when you realize that things are changing I guess yeah 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to like pine to be on the um the no shirts team. I just used to say, oh, cool guys get to be on the no shirts team. Why do I have to be on the, the shirts team? And um it did take a little while for me to be cognizant of the, the reasons why and I'm quite glad that <laughs> maybe never mentioned on the Twins team. But um <laughs> yeah, I mean I just felt like um to an extent one of the boys, like especially the guys that I played with, like it might have been a little bit of shock every now and then when we played a team that we hadn't played against before and you know you're sort of the only girl and it, it stands out but very much to the guys that I played with and I'm so grateful to them for this and and some of them are still like really great mates now but they just welcomed me with open arms and and very yeah. much adopted me as one of the boys and I loved it yeah I think it's it's certainly not something that every young girl would enjoy but I think for me I just yeah it was great it was great to, they were just mates and um you know particularly at that age when there's no difference I suppose physically and it was just really nice to be in that environment and have a crack and just play sport and um i wonder as a girl grows up and becomes a woman and obviously you know you might start getting interested in boys um and then sometimes something happens where like for example in the classroom where girls would stop putting their hands up and going me 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 i know the answer because they they sort of feel it's more feminine to take a back seat a bit you know and I wondered if you ever had that, because it must be the same in sport, is that some girls must wrestle with the idea about being strong and powerful and being being really sort of hunger for success and winning and that kind of thing. And I, and, and whether there's ever a tension there that you ever felt or? Yeah, I, I think yeah, like your observations are, are completely right. Um, probably like something I really noticed at school, a lot of my, my good friends from school and when I went to high school, I went to an all girls school and I sort of naturally gravitated to, to the sporty group of girls and and they were like all well, my friendship group going through high school and then we sort of hit year nine or ten I think which in Australia is like you know you're 14 15 it was amazing how many of those girls who were like really naturally sporty and gifted and like involved in so much um just suddenly dropped out you know I was like well why has that happened and then that sort of morphed into no longer doing any sport but like wanting to go along and watch the boys play rugby and like just be passive on the sidelines and yeah. I used to always like wrestle with that because I'm like I don't really understand why and I'm sure there's certainly some elements of that like wanting to remain feminine or not be cool anymore or, or whatever it is or you know maybe them feeling like a bit self-conscious as their body's changing or yeah all those things and um I think that's something, you know, I've been actually really passionate about since sort of seeing that happen is that we've got to keep girls playing sport. And that's not like they don't have to be competitive just at a, a local club level or at a school level, just to have fun and to use their body and interact and be social and work together and all those great kind of assets that, that sport brings to people's lives. But it probably happens with both genders and it's a, it's a tricky time when you're when you're a young teenager and, and all these things are happening. And certainly as a, as a man, I, I sort of had a little struggle with like, well, what does it mean to be a man? Because I used to like pressing flowers. I used to love making my own clothes. And it was like, well, hang on, you know, is, is this a manly sort of thing to do? So then you go through stages like trying to be a bloke and you think well perhaps being aggressive is what a man is going to be and then you and you so you sort of play with these various things and it does take a while for you to have the confidence to say actually actually you know I'm I'm a man and I like to draw and I like to go shopping and buy clothes and stuff it doesn't make me less of a man you know it's just it's just I've got certain things I want to do but it takes a bit of confidence to work that out it's quite a confusing time and and that's just the thing that always bugs me is that sometimes you can see um, girls doing so well and then they get to a point where they sort of think well is it feminine to be ambitious and successful and you know and 
And yes, it bloody is, which is why it's so great. Why I was so keen to talk to you is that, you know, the more role models there are out there that, that says, yes, I can, I can win and I can smash the ball and I can, I can be successful and sporty. And I'm still very much a woman, you know. So I, ju- I just think it's great what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so you don't still wear your Polly Pockets, right? <laughs> no, no. I'm sure I'm <laughs> She's kept everything else. No, Polly's, Polly's long gone. Um, have you got any other um, bits of jewellery that have been any markers to you over the years or have meant anything to you? I've probably got two more. And, yeah, I, I'm not saying this just because we're chatting, but um, for my 18th birthday, I remember um, stumbling across online down in little old Australia, um, this lovely website, alexmunro.com, and yeah. uh, seeing this necklace, it's um, it's a gold necklace. It's got a, a really fine, beautiful feather on the end of it. And it really just took me and um I absolutely loved it and I remember showing my mum and then my 18th birthday came around and I was just finishing up school and mum had got it for my birthday and it had been shipped down from from the UK from your workshop which I've been lucky enough to visit since then and see where it was made and all those things so I've still got that necklace and that's so sweet is it is it okay because in hot countries where people kind of sweat a bit more and, and need to wear sun cream and all the rest of it sometimes jewelry can take a bit of a bashing so have you got are you gonna have you got it there I think I do it so I travel with a little jewelry box but yeah. just see which one yes I do have it here it's actually done okay and I kind of like it because obviously it's not as shiny as what it once was but it sort of tells a story Hang on. I don't know if you'll be able to see it very well but I love that one I'm so glad you got that one it might oh. be is it a peacock feather did I get that yeah so it was part of a collection it was called the the peacock and the crow and and it was, it was from an old story about how the um how the animals got their colors and the the peacock and the crow went to the the kind of paint shop before the animals were allocated their colors and the, and they said let's make ourselves the most beautiful of all the animals so the peacock said to the crow you paint me first and he used all the brilliant colors and then the peacock turned around and chucked a bucket of black paint over the um crow and said I don't want to share this glory with anyone and it was just a really funny story and I've always loved peacock feathers so yeah it's just a bit of fun the reason I love art and craft and and I I think you could have an analogy in sport is you're actually taking something like whether it's a blank sheet of paper or a flat piece of metal or something and you're kind of bringing it to life and it's at that point at which it changes from a sort of inanimate object like a flat sheet of metal to an actual living soft flowing thing and Mm. I'm not great at sport but when I get okay at something like my cycling and it's going really well it sort of becomes something beautiful so something quite mundane and you know kicking a ball is just kicking a ball isn't it but when you kick it beautifully it becomes art like I keep telling people to watch that goal that you scored against Sweden you kind of almost stop breathing when that happens it's just, it's just a beautiful thing well I think yeah like maybe the best way to describe it is like that ball becomes part of you or like just an extension of you rather than yeah. an object that you're trying to control it's actually just like moves with you and in sport I think like 
often you are like always battling against the elements or the object and you know it still is a struggle and you're really like consciously aware of what you're trying to do and you're grappling with it but then every now and then you have these like fleeting moments of like they kind of call it flow where it's like you literally are just moving without even thinking or really aware of anything it's just kind of all happening and yeah you're totally right like those moments are just like a little bit blissful that is exactly the same for me so when I was making that necklace you stop thinking about it you lose yourself in it you're, you're sat there sort of at your workbench and then you look up and it's dark four hours have gone and you don't really know what's happened at that time so it's almost it's almost like out of body type of thing where, where you're just on autopilot and it's just happening and working without you thinking about it um, I think that's one of the best feelings in the world when you lose track of time doing something whether that's like talking to someone or hanging out with someone or just doing an activity like that is the best feeling in the world like I, yeah I love that when you kind of just are totally lost and immersed in whatever it is you're doing that's so cool thanks mum for getting that necklace and I'm so pleased you still got it I think it comes with me most places actually oh thanks yeah. Elise it's really important that my jewellery is worn and that it lasts long so if anything gets broken or anything you know, <laughs> if you ever need anything repaired just send it back and we'll do it or bring it over when you come brilliant that's lovely any other pieces after that because that was your 18th birthday yeah yeah wow that's brilliant any other pieces after that well (laughs) we were talking about rings before actually and having to take them on and off a lot and um I have quite like thick fingers and I think they've sort of got a lot thicker as I've played more and more sport because you obviously you need to use them a lot and they probably get dinged up a bit and all those kinds of things so I don't fit many rings (laughs) Um, and I wish I did because I really love rings but they just look a bit funny on my my hands but I do have one ring that was my mum's and along the same lines of mum's kind of a common theme in this but um, yeah it was hers when she was I guess a young adult and she had it going through my mum's a doctor and and going through like medical school and stuff and yeah she's always sort of held on to it and like she wore it through like one of the most exciting periods of her life I think and me my dad and having kids and stuff and so she's sort of given it to me as well Um, fit not in my pinky but um (laughs) i guess that ring is probably like such an important piece to you that if everyone was safe and your house was on fire you'd want to run in and save the save that right (laughs) if you can bring it to the uk do you want us to make it fit for you Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. You're probably the only person I trust with it, too, to be fair. So, yeah. Brilliant. So good to wear it. Well, look, we'll see if we can make it fit. I remember your hands and I remember you apologising about them before as well. And it's like (laughs) every woman apologises about her hands and you have absolutely lovely hands. And it's just weird how no woman likes their own their own hands. It's really weird. You probably see unrealistic images of sort of hand model hands that have been airbrushed (laughs) and compare your hands to that. So I think there's a pressure on women. (laughs) <laughs> maybe so maybe so do you have that ring with you here or is that oh, sort of okay. safely yeah. locked up yeah yeah well look Elise, just tell me what's next for you so you're gonna play a bit of cricket against New Zealand and, and whoop their asses I guess <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got, well, it's always a plan whether or not that um, happens <laughs> yeah we've got six games over here against the Kiwis and then um, I head back home and we've actually got um, a little bit of a holiday after that so that'll be the end of our um, summer down here and so everyone goes on about six weeks break which um which will be good I think I sort of said before I've really enjoyed kind of getting around in um my own backyard in Australia so I think I'm going to go on a bit of a road trip and my brother's just had a baby um up in Sydney so I've got a bit of family time to book in as well brilliant 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I recommend it. I recommend getting the bike out, go up to Healesville. Ah, uh, yes. And um, my friend Mac Forbes has a little wine shop in the middle of Healesville, and he makes fantastic wines. And so cycle up there, have a glass, and say hi to Mac for me. And um, I'll be there myself one of these days. <laughs> His wife is actually our Australian representative, so she deals with all the um, sales there, and and it's a good gig. I've stayed with them when I go there, and it's oh. a good gig. They just cook and drink amazing wines, and and it's just fantastic. So. I love it up there. So, Elise, thanks so much for joining me today. Have a great bit of sport out there. Thank you, guys. Bye. Have a good one. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Elise. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you'd like to see some of the pieces we've been talking about, please check out our website and follow the links to the podcast page. You'll also find information on how to share your own stories, give a bit of feedback, or have a look at all the jewellery-related things I've been up to recently. We've also got some great jewellery-making tutorials on our YouTube channel. There's lots to see. Just go to www.alexmonroe.com.